Turtle, how are we doing today? Hey, Matt, how you doing? Emergency pod, you ready for this? I am ready. Let's get it going. All right, we're gonna we're gonna jump right in, guys. This is uh, our emergency pod round one rookie draft reaction. It's not going to go the length of our normal pod. Um, we're going to talk about what we saw go down last night and our fantasy reactions to it. So, Turtle, let's start with the trades. I mean, how about out of left field, the drama with the wide receiver one divas continued last night. Uh, the first trade that we saw go down was Hollywood Brown over to the Arizona Cardinals. What did you think about that? Oh, man, they really just threw uh, Lamar a curveball, and I, I really do feel bad for him. I mean, Hollywood and Lamar have been, you know, they've been family since they were little. They're both Broward County boys, you know, so seeing Hollywood leave um, from what it looks like Lamar didn't know. I mean, I guess people are coming out and saying that he must have known, but it's still just such a it's such a stab in the heart because those guys were starting to develop such great chemistry. I think it bodes quite well for Kyler Murray and Hollywood. So it's going to be good, but it's sad for Lamar. Yeah, so you know, you know, they had a big off-field connection, Lamar and, and Hollywood. And personally, I was really high on Hollywood this season. But, you know, Kyler's got the connection with Hollywood as well, right? They, he does. Uh, Oklahoma, were they OU? or OU, them Sooners. OU. Okay. The Sooners. So, there you go. So connection all the way back to... And that was the that was his Heisman winning season, I believe, too, where they had you know um, some overlap. Yeah, he had a good he Hollywood had a really good year with him. Uh, I think it was Kyler's last year on OU. Yeah, so let's talk about what this means for both of the respective QBs and wide receiver rooms. Then, all right. So, so my take on Hollywood is in Arizona, it helps certainly Kyler, but I think. It's a bigger name that's not going to change things all that much. Um, what I think probably happens is where they had a fairly wide distribution of wide receiver targets last year amongst Hopkins and Wesley and Green and Moore and others. I think it just contracts a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you had um, the, the tight ends, too. You had Ertz. You had... Uh, Max Williams there for a while. They were chucking balls to Chase Edmonds, to James Conner. I think things, as they stand now on the roster, they contract a little bit. I think he takes all of the Kirk, uh, probably a good portion of what Green got. I mean, poor Rondell Moore. I really think that that year two breakout um, that we've seen a little bit the past few years with some wide receivers is going to maybe fall into a traditional year three breakout, if anything. Um, potentially a small knock on, on Hopkins, uh, but not massive. I, I think this is going to be, we see this elsewhere, right? When you have an elite quarterback called Justin Herbert or Patrick Mahomes with Hill and Kelsey, Herbert, obviously with, with Allen and Williams, the elite quarterbacks can support two wide receivers very, very well. And I think this is what we see. We see a target consolidation in Arizona, in the desert, mostly surrounding around uh, Hollywood Brown and DeAndre Hopkins. Not to say that the other guys won't be involved, Rondell Moore, Zach Ertz, etc. But I think this is going to more align with what we've seen with the other elite QBs kind of do in terms of, of, of really raising the tide of, of two individuals. What about, what about you? Uh, is similar feelings in terms of Arizona, or do you think maybe the knock on Hopkins is a little bit bigger? 
No, Hopkins is, is still going to get his his hundred, you know, his his close to a hundred receptions uh, this year as long as he can stay on the field. Um, I just think that it just really adds a whole nother dynamic to that Arizona offense because you know Hollywood's such a deep burner route type wide receiver and I really don't think that they had that last year they had AJ Green and then they had Rondell but like you said in last uh, episode you know Rondell Moore's a dot was one of the lowest you've ever seen so I think this really just helps their cause in the long run yeah and they asked Kirk to run a lot of deep routes and and quite frankly I just don't think Kirk is an elite tracker of the ball um Mm. obviously the guys who are the Tyree Kills those guys with the ball in the air, they're running full speed. They can contort their body. They can get away from man coverage. Those those are few and far between. Um, Hollywood has all the speed in the world. Um, I think he's got pretty good body control. A smaller guy, those guys, smaller ones usually than the, than the uh, bigger wide receivers. So, yeah, maybe maybe he gets a lot of those over-the-top deep shots. I mean, I, I certainly think that's what they, they are going to hire him for, essentially. Agreed. Swinging it over to Baltimore real quick. I don't think we can make a fair assessment yet because day two hasn't happened. I think almost certainly Baltimore, who has a pick in the 40s and a pick in the late 50s, I believe, if not early 60s, they got to take one of those wide receivers um, that are going to be on the board. They went offensive line and they went defense last night. Good choices. But you got to think with Hollywood gone, they add one more weapon. Um, So hard to just say, okay, Bateman all the way up or, or Andrews all the way up. I think... We're going to get one of those round two rookies who um, are going into a situation with a lot of opportunity. So so from my point of view, a little bit TBD, obviously on paper, yeah, you bump Bateman and you bump Andrews, but I just don't think we have the full picture in terms of, of what other talent are they going to add in terms of target distribution. Yeah, I was going to say there's going to be a lot of teams fighting for these wide receivers, these second-round wide receivers, because as as we saw last night, the Packers didn't pick a wide receiver or the Chiefs didn't pick a wide receiver. So who really knows what's going to happen tonight? Yeah, so you know another team that didn't pick a wide receiver but got wide receiver help, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Big trade, uh, A.J. Brown from the Tennessee Titans to the Philadelphia Eagles. And they signed him to a big contract, average of $25 million a year over four years last night. So he got paid and obviously a lot of fallout today on social media around how the Titans were trying to lowball him around $16 million a year. So you can kind of see why he maybe dug in and, and forced, forced his way out. Let, let, me get, let me toss it over to you, Turtle. AJB reaction. I, uh, it's too hard to say. We, we've spoke about this many times in, in, in previous episodes that we don't think Jalen Hurts can carry one receiver, let alone two receivers. I don't think that A.J. Brown's stock goes all the way down because I think that he will be the target hog in that offense, and I think Devontae Smith will take a hit. But I'm not too sure what's going to happen with that offense because they got so many mouths to feed over there. They got Goddard, they got Devonta Smith, and then now they have A.J. Brown, who is an elite asset. It's very hard to say at this point. Everybody seems to have some faith in Jalen Hurts. I just am not one of those people. Yeah, so for me, I, I don't love it for A.J. Brown. I really don't. On on paper, it's terrible. Um, uh, we said poor Rondell Moore uh, with the Hollywood trade. I mean, poor Devontae Smith uh, with this trade, only because if he, if he ever hoped to be an alpha receiver as such a slim six-foot uh, guy, I mean, 
you know, a, a stud just kind of walked through the door with, with A.J. Brown. Now the problem, as you said, it's Hurts, right? We're approaching no more excuses territory for Hurts with what they're doing. Um, brought in the big talent, drafted the big talent. Um, Goddard's uh, there as well. So he's going to have targets, and they might not be done. Uh, there might be a running back addition. There might be some offensive line addition. They're, they're trying to see what they have in Hurts. But um, if anyone's going to hold this offense back, unfortunately, I think it's going to be him. They were very pass-heavy in the start of the season. And you can see really what that did. I mean, quite honestly, Devontae Smith had a few usable games, and then they went full, we're hiding the quarterback, and we're going to run the ball um, 60% of the time, and they started winning ball games. Yeah, pure speculation here, but that Saints-Eagles um, trade earlier in the offseason makes a little bit of sense now because if Jalen Hurts doesn't produce – they're going to have to take a quarterback in the 2023 draft. And then if they get one of the studs in that draft class, then they're going to be set up for success, in my opinion. Yeah, and they maneuvered without moving any of their 2023 first-round picks, so they still got the two. So it's mm-hmm. going to come down to you know put up or shut up for Jalen Hurst this year. Unfortunately, if we're talking A.J. Brown, I mean, he's now catching passes from Hurts instead of catching passes from Tannehill. At the end of the day, as much as you want to rack on Tannehill, that is a downgrade. Going from Tannehill to Hurts is a downgrade for A.J. Brown, and I don't think he's ever been across the field from someone as talented as Devontae Smith. I'm trying to really rack my brain on that statement, but Corey Davis had the big year, but, I mean, I think we we feel the way we feel about Corey Davis last year was Julio kind of on and off. He's he's going to have true competition target, even if if he kind of walks in off the street as the alpha. Um, you know, Devontae Smith isn't going to go away from his person. No way, definitely so, not going away. So, if you have a big piece of a small pie, I mean, you know, h- how effective really is it? So, AJB, I think if I had to redo my wide receiver one rankings for dynasty moving forward, knowing he's going to be there at least four years and have Hertz as the QB or a question mark, um, I'd, I'd probably knock him down a few spots. That's for sure. Mm, makes sense. All right. So we're going to swing back to uh, the Titans in, in a little bit as we walk through the rookies, but let, let's move on to who was drafted last night. We had six wide receivers go and one quarterback. And I mean, overall talk about a fun night. For when I started putting my notes together on it, not a whole lot happened. I mean, we only had seven offensive players go. Your traditional rookie drafts are going to be 12 players in each round. So, quite frankly, we didn't even have a full round of draftable players go in the first round last night. There's a lot to be interested in as things go down tonight. But, man, it was just a fun night for not a whole lot of offensive stuff happening. Besides, obviously, the trades, I think, added to that. But when you kind of look at it, it, you kind of feel bad maybe because of some of the landing destinations. But honestly, if we're being truthful with ourselves, I don't think really much happened that we didn't expect. Um, For all the mock drafts, I don't think there was really a a big consensus that a a first-round running back was going to get drafted. Um, We knew that the teams at the top of the draft were going to go wide receiver. There were a lot of hopes that one of the top six guys kind of made it down to – Chiefs or Green Bay, but I think those were always pipe dreams. We knew that the teams with the needs at the top were most likely going to go. We didn't know what order it was, but I don't think a whole lot deviated from what maybe consensus expected. Now, diving into that, 
The first wide receiver off the board was Drake London. He landed in Atlanta at the 108. What do you think about Drake London, Turtle, now that you know uh, the NFL teams that could draft any wide receiver off the board, they win Drake London? Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was seeing a lot of comparisons to um, Vincent Jackson, which is a great comparison to have. He's, he's about the same size of him, 6'5", six, six, probably around 220, 210, 220. Um, you know what? His last year at USC, he went for over 1,000 yards with seven touchdowns. And I think because of his size, he is an NFL-ready player. Obviously, I do not love that Marcus Mariota is his quarterback. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, I don't think Marcus Mariota is the answer to the Falcons' uh, quarterback situation. So once that gets resolved, I think he could be a very, very good player in the NFL. In in your opinion, um, what was the best landing spot for opportunity? Uh, not not any team, but of of the the six wide receivers that got drafted, who, who had the best? What was the best landing spot in your mind? Well, with the AJ Brown news, it's one hundred percent. I don't think anybody could even argue against it that it, it is Tennessee Titans, just because the man's literally walking into a WR one WR two role immediately. I don't yeah. think any of these other guys are. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I I felt personally, I felt that this was the best of, of the six landing spots. I thought, and and we can agree to disagree. I thought London landed in the best opportunity um, spot. You can argue that that Pitts is the tight end one, but at the end of the day, he's a tight end, which means even if it's a lower percentage than your traditional tight ends, is he's going to be lining up in line. He's going to be being asked to block at a much higher rate than. Drake London is going to be asked to to block or line up in the slot or anything like that. Un- so, I was going to say understood. Do you but do you feel that same way if Calvin Ridley is not suspended for gambling? Oh no, of course not. Of course okay, not. I don't feel that way. But he is at one year at a minimum, uh, as they reminded us last night. So for me, he was. I, he wasn't my wide receiver one, but after the draft, I felt like he was the clear wide receiver one. If we're looking maybe at, at rookie drafts in, in fantasy, I thought London, with his opportunity, landed in the best spot to be a contributor this year. And I guess I should caveat that by saying my expectations is that most of these guys will be wide receiver threes, potentially wide receiver fours, um, with the better guys being higher end wide receiver threes. We've, we've Personally, we've been spoiled the past few years with some really, really good rookie wide receiver contributions. That's not the norm. And this class, I think, may show us or return us to the norm, which is these guys take a few years to develop. The year three breakout is a year three breakout term for a reason. That's traditionally when it happens. And uh, London, Burks, whoever it may be that's in the ideal landing spot may just uh, take a few years to really be the, the, the two or the one in fantasy. And we might see a lot of threes, fours. So the, the next person who was drafted was Garrett Wilson. He went 110 to the New York Jets. By all accounts, you know, critics say the Jets had a really, really good draft. Uh, Garrett Wilson was was a big piece of that. What do you think about Garrett Wilson, Turtle? I think Garrett Wilson is going to be a good NFL player. I, I think it muddies the water with them having Elijah Moore. I think other people will tell you otherwise that it will be a like a, a split target share. But like we just established, I don't know if Garrett Wilson gets penciled in right away. So I think Elijah Moore's value doesn't take too big of a hit right off the bat. And the good thing about Garrett Wilson is that he is like a she's a shifty type player. You know, he can create he can create a lot of separation and he's super explosive. 
So I think he'll be good at the yards after catch. Uh, but overall, it's the Jets, so you can't really expect too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they they obviously they get a bad rap um, just because historically they've not done great. I kind of like the Wilson a Wilson connection, but you're right, it's going to be crowded. I mean, you just can't erase uh, Corey Davis and Elijah Moore from consideration. They, I mean, this is. This is small, and we might be picking at threads here, but they brought in two new tight ends as well. They brought in who? They brought in Uzama, and they brought in Conklin. Mm. You know, not not target hogs, but uh, but but they they take touches, they block, sure, but they also take uh, targets rather um, away. So, Michael Carter does he catch passes, or was that mostly um, a backup quarterback thing? I don't know. Uh, we'll see how the rest of the backfield shakes out there. Wilson, however, though, from a pure talent perspective, was my personal wide receiver one. Mm. Um, there's there's certainly that argument within the fantasy community that you don't really let landing spot dictate who you take, right? Because then you get yourself into overthinking CEH instead of um, Jonathan Taylor, who was the, the, the better talent, but CEH in the better landing spot. Or you go and kill Harry over Josh Jacobs because Patriots have no one and he's catching passes from Tom Brady. How could he not be better when Josh Jacobs had a fine rookie season and a decent career in a, in a draft class, probably more similar to the 22 draft class? Wilson, to me, was was the, the wide receiver one from a talent perspective on the board. He went to a team with a, a quarterback who was drafted number two overall. Yeah, it's a little bit crowded, but if you kind of wait for things to shake out, I don't think Corey Davis sticks around too long. Any of these wide receivers, are, as we mentioned, is going to be a longer-term play. It's it's a draft and it's a hold for them to develop. I think Garrett Wilson may have the, the highest ceiling still amongst this class. I agree with you. I I, I, uh, I just keep thinking in my head, oh, man, I'm I'm pretty uh, happy that I don't have to make any of these hard decisions uh, in the rookie in the rookie drafts because I wouldn't even know where to start. Honestly, like I'm honestly happy that I don't have early picks in the draft. Yeah. So another Ohio State wide receiver back to back at the 111 to New Orleans was Chris Olave, and I got to tell you, I wasn't a huge Chris Olave fan at the start of um, the drafts, the the pre-draft season. I started you know, reading and, and watching more about him. I started to like him. And um, I think this is a sneaky little destination for Chris Olave to me. And uh, I'm, I'm just not digging in to be, um, you know, to go against the grain or anything, but this might be the second best landing spot. Uh, I don't know. I think of all the six landing spots, he's tied to the best QB. I kind of mm. squint and cringe a little bit when I say that, but, Tannehill or Jameis Winston? I don't know. Give me Jameis who can kind of chuck it around and, and make Chris Godwin a number two overall wide receiver and make uh, Mike Evans, you know, uh, go a thousand and double digit touchdowns every season. All he's got really is Michael Thomas to compete with. We don't really know about the Kamara situation. I don't know. There's some sneaky. There's some sneaky upside here um, with what Olave brings to the table. At least, at least for me, um, of all the first round rooks, I think he maybe landed with the best on paper QB. Uh, Winston hurt his ACL earlier on in the season, so I expect him to be back under center and fine for Week One. Long term, I don't know uh, who's going to be under center there, but I kind of liked Olave a lot. A lot more than I uh, thought I would, I should say. What do you think, Turtles? 
I mean, you got you got a barking dog. Uh, maybe maybe she hates the Olave take. Maybe she loves it. I don't know. I don't know why she's barking. My dog's crazy. Sorry about that. I tried to mute it, but uh, literally in my notes, I said I think he's going to pair very well with Jameis and Michael Thomas. You know, I think he could have an immediate impact. The 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 one stat I did see uh, throughout his college career, he didn't break a thousand yards in any season at Ohio State, which I don't know if it's something to be concerned about because there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of mouths to feed in his four years over there. But I agree with you. I think Jameis can, if Jameis is going to make somebody relevant, it's going to be, it's going to be Chris Olave. So I I like it. You know, I, I think that, I think that the saints aren't as bad as a team as people are making them out to be. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I like his landing spot. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. They got a defensive minded head coach. We'll see if they kind of let Jameis chuck the ball around or if they're being conservative with him, kind of like they were seemingly trying to hide him a little bit uh, last year. We'll see how it shakes out there in New Orleans. But Olave was the third off the board to them. And third wide receiver in a row in the real life draft went at the 112, the Alabama wide receiver Jamison Williams coming off the ACL injury went to the Detroit Lions. Uh, what did you make of that? I think once Jared Goff is gone, I think Jamison Williams could be the true alpha mm. in the Lions on the Lions uh, team. Yeah. I mean, last year he, he finished his, his junior year with uh, over 1,500 yards and 15 touchdowns. I mean, he was literally torching defenses. We saw a lot of good things from him. He runs extremely clean routes, and, you know, he can create instant offense. He also has the yak ability, which is what we're looking for, especially in a great fantasy player. And I think that he can, once he gets over his injury, can be great. You have a, any comps in your mind for him of who he reminds you of? I mean, he's obviously he's really fast, but he's he's also really skinny. I, yeah, he, he's big. Him. He's big. Press man coverage. I mean, I, I saw a few comparisons online. People were saying that he was most similar to Tyree Kill, but obviously Tyree Kill's like five inches shorter than him. Yeah. So it's hard to really for me to, to for me to uh, make that comparison. But I think he's just a burner. You know, he's a burner that can really create separation, and I think he could also be just an absolute target hog. Yeah, I think, like you said, Jared Goff might be the uh, the piece holding him back, but we'll see. Who knows? Maybe Goff starts uh, uncorking them um, this year. To me, he hurt his ACL really, really late. I don't think he's going to make that much of a year one impact just because with the recovery timeline, getting him up to football speed, he's a small guy. Um, you got to think that the team's going to want to want to put him on a, a regime to, to gain some weight and not being able to, to fully use both legs is going to maybe set him a little bit back. Um, year one impact, I think we need to temper our expectations. Long term, he might be the best wide receiver of the class for sure. Other So other competition there, Amon Ross St. Brown plays primarily in the slot. Uh, you got DJ Chark, who's there on a one-year $10 million deal. On the outside, um, likely he's not going to be there uh, much beyond the 2022 season. I think Chark probably plays most of the year as the as the nominal outside wide receiver one. We'll see how much target share uh, Amon Ross St. Brown takes, but I think Chark probably plays most of the year outside. Uh, latter part of the season, if Williams is back and healthy, maybe there's some you know getting him on the field and passing up the torch. 
But unless Chark really goes out, I don't see them signing long-term. I think this was a replacement to, to get that elite outside weapon for the long-term at a young age and under you know a five-year potential rookie contract. So um, you got Hawkinson, you got Swift, you got Williams. Uh, you got a good little young pass-catching core there. And, uh, and, and Sun God, right? You got Amon Ra. It's, it's, it's going to come down to golf. It's almost like he's in Hurts territory, right? There's going to be a, a point where there's no more excuses. Yeah, well, you think the Lions are going to take Malik Willis or no? Man, I don't know. This, this, is, this is something where it's like uh, I think a lot of teams might be just scared off Malik if the QB needy teams didn't pick him or trade up at the very end of the first round to get him with an extra year under contract. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if it's going to be a game of chicken and he's going to fall further. Or, I mean, there's been some weird rumors where it's like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could could grab him because you know Brady is essentially gone after this year. Malik Willis isn't really perceived to be QB ready year one. So no matter where he goes, if, even if it's behind Jared Goff, the expectation is this year he would mostly sit and learn. And who better to learn from than Tom Brady and then, you know, hand over the reins to to Willis and Tom gets to do whatever he wants to do as a free agent. How wilder things have happened, we'll find out today. He goes in round two or three, so we won't have to wait long. Yeah, you're right. All right. Um, so next we had this was a surprise. We had at the one sixteen to Washington who had traded down. Um, they went Jahan Dotson. So for me, if I were ranking the top six, he'd be my six. Um, I think he's probably the one I have the least amount of confidence in. You know, not a knock on Dodson. It's more of a knock on Wentz. I, I don't see Wentz supporting two good wide receivers. Um, to me, I think it was the worst landing spot of, of all the, the six wide receivers. And I think there's going to be a handful of wide receivers picked today that um, should probably go ahead of Watson in the rookie drafts, depending on landing spot, especially if we're talking about some of the big ones. So Dotson might be one of those first round picks that falls a little bit in the drafts in your in your rookie drafts, and I think it's completely warranted. I think Dotson is going to have an extremely hard time meeting value in, in both the short term if they don't figure out the quarterback situation, and and quite frankly, the the longer two to three year stretch. I I, I don't know that he becomes a viable producer behind the likes of a Terry McLaurin. McKissick getting a lot of catches. Logan Thomas apparently is is healing well, and and I don't got a lot of confidence in in, in Washington to to be anything close to a good team. How do you feel about Dotson? I, I felt that was a really harsh review of him, but I just got zero confidence personally. Uh, no, that was the one that made me scratch my head the most. I mean, they also have they also have Diami Brown, who they just drafted last year. Who I was like, oh, maybe maybe they'll give this guy a chance. I forgot about Curtis Samuel. So yeah, and Curtis Samuel and Curtis Samuel. So it's very confusing pick why they did that. And um, a lot of comparisons that I've seen is that he's an extremely similar player to Terry McLaurin. So it's going to be like having two Terry McLaurins on the same team. But you know what? Maybe they're about to trade Terry because I, I, you know, that was that was a lot of the rumors going on there. So you never know in this crazy offseason, maybe Terry's not even going to be on, on the commanders by the start of the season. Well, if he's not on the Commanders, I think that would change a lot of the the tune of of what I said. I don't know. The final wide receiver dominoes to potentially fall are Debo and, I guess, maybe Terry. That's the other guy who is looking for uh, a contract because we had AJB, Terry, and Debo be the next guys up. Debo, everything out of San Fran is that he's not going anywhere, and obviously the AJ Brown domino fell last night. So, 
you could be right. We could find out again shortly with what happens there. But but if things hold, I think I think Dotson is is six out of six with these first rounders. And then once we know the 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 day two landing spots, I think he's going to be you know much lower, maybe by another two to four spots conservatively. Yeah. All right. The last wide receiver to go was Traylon Burks. He went at the one eighteen to Tennessee. Turtle, you had mentioned that you thought that was the best landing spot for a wide receiver. Uh, why don't you talk him up a bit? Yeah, I mean, he may have been the le- the last uh, wide receiver picked in the first round, but like I said, I think he has the best landing spot. Okay, so I'll take that. Um, I'll, I'll take that baton. Right for me, Turtle, he's got a lot of opportunity, and this might be a hot take. I don't think he's going to be the nominal wide receiver one. I think um, Robert Woods is going to be your nominal wide receiver one, and they're going to bring along Burks a little bit slower. I think we're we're in a low volume offense in terms of of uh, wide receivers getting getting looks. Um, I don't know. I think it's a good spot. I don't think it's a great one. I think he's a big body on the outside, and I think. Mike Vrabel loves that because he can get he can line up close to the line or just off the line. He can block the outside. He can probably, you know, create a nice corner for an outside zone run pretty well, being being so big and strong. And he might be asked to roll up the sleeves and do some of that dirty work. He's got some AJ Brown, Debo Samuel comparison to him. So there's certainly, you know, the potential for that like for like swap. I think he's a little bit more raw than uh than those guys and i think he's got a lot more to learn in terms of that and robert woods he's a little bit of a tactician i think that's gonna be a nice little tutoring buddy for him but i do think you know as long as the acl is going well for woods that he's your nominal wide receiver one uh for this season and then you know burks kind of takes the torch longer term yeah that's that's crazy to think that robert woods is going to be the wr1 on that team for now it it really is crazy (laughs) Uh, I don't know if that was a knock on my take or if you're like seriously considering it as no, I'm seriously considering it. I mean, Robert Woods just turned 30 years old, but you know what? He's, he's, he's been proven in the NFL and, and if he can, uh, come back healthy from that ACL, I think he can do what he did uh, a few years ago and just be very dominant player. Yeah. I I like him. And if you think about, you know, they used AJB on some end arounds and some runs and everything and. Certainly, I'm sure Traylon has all the capability in the world to do that, but we know for a fact that Robert Woods can do that and mm-hmm. has done that a lot. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, like, I, I'm not saying go out and, and trade for Woods. I, I think these are low ceiling, low ceiling bets um, uh, in the Tennessee offense. So, the final really relevant first round pick was Kenny Pickett, um, relevant for fantasy rather, and. He went uh, 120 to Pittsburgh, uh, what a lot of mockers mocked correctly. There's a big need there with Big Ben retiring, and I think they filled it with the most pro-ready quarterback. As I mentioned before, Malik Willis, by all accounts, would probably have had to sit a year. And there's just more question marks once you get past Malik and, and Kenny. So immediate competition for week one, who's under center, him or Mitch Trubisky. I think it makes him instantly a clear first round pick in Superflex. I mean, I don't know how you get um past the first six picks. Um, uh, maybe definitely not past the first eight without pick it off the board. To me, it's uh it's one of the most obvious picks, especially how valuable quarterbacks are in Superflex. Uh, what'd you think? I think what I said, 
challenge Trubisky immediately, pro-ready, a nice, really, a, a really nice first-round pick with probably a safe floor and, and, and room for upside if he does well. Uh, but he's the only quarterback who was drafted in the first round. Those guys usually come with a safe floor. Wrap us up, Turtle, with this uh, round one rookie draft reaction with what you think of Pickett. I think Pickett makes it so that Najee and Deontay are now extremely safe. Me and you were talking about this uh, right before the draft, saying if Malik goes there, we don't feel that that confident um, in those two players. Yeah. You know, I was, so, I was letting so I'm on, happy. I was not letting on, but... As that pick came on the board, that one was I was I was very nervous for Najee Harris's floor moving forward. Yeah. Um, we know what running quarterbacks do to running backs; it's not good. So um, keep an eye on where Malik lands um, because that might affect the running back there long term, if not later in the season. I don't think he's a week one starter, no matter where he goes, but. You know, just keep an eye on it because when Kenny Pickett went there, I breathed a huge sigh of relief. And you're right. I think he at least – he's going to – he can't be worse than Ben. I mean, if we're serious about the performance that Ben Roethlisberger put forward on the real football field and in fantasy last year is it, it, he, was, he was a bottom eight QB. He couldn't throw – couldn't throw well, I should say. Um, a lot of dump off. So – a lot of short, short stuff. The the long game was gone. Pickett can only do better for for that. And and yeah, that might take away some pass catching from Najee, but I think it it also helps running lanes as well because the ability to zero in or know that the catch is going to be close to the line of scrimmage and we can crowd the line of scrimmage against Ben Roethlisberger. It's going to have to shift a little bit with the more you know, admittedly mobile. Pickett can run a little bit. Uh, but but certainly he's not a run first guy that that Malik Han profiles to be. So in my opinion, I think you're right, Turtle. Um, preserved value there, at least preserved. If not, maybe the floor rises a bit because year over year a better QB um, is expected to be under center in Pittsburgh. Makes sense. And then my last thought, just because I'm a freak, man. Where the heck is Baker Mayfield going to end up now with all these? these teams passing on quarterbacks i just i'm just it's all i want to know where's baker gonna end up and i want to see a baker revival yeah turtle i gotta you know sorry man <laughs> me me, uh, me the fans i really don't know anyone cares but you you obviously you own them in, in super flex and that's the reason why but I, I couldn't even speculate as to tell you where besides the obvious destinations we keep hearing um would be interesting though if he gets a second chance Maybe he goes down to Atlanta, chucks the ball around um, with Drake London and, and, and Kyle Pitts. Who knows? Wow. You'd love that. I wouldn't hate it. I'll tell you that much. All right. Uh, let's wrap this. We wanted to make this quick. Uh, we don't know if we'll have a day two reaction. There's obviously going to be two rounds to break down if we do, and that would have to be tomorrow, which is the weekend. Those always get a little cramped, but we definitely wanted to get the round one out to you guys so, yeah, thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you, if not again later this weekend, then definitely early next week. See ya.